23rd Psalm, which is where our focus is these days, you'll find a great truth that probably you have memorized all of it. If not, you've probably memorized chunks of it. And I think that that's an encouraging way for the Spirit of God to bring His Scripture to mind to us in our great time of, of need. So let's look at that. We're going to concentrate on the first four verses today, specifically verse 4. The Scripture says out of the ESV, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and staff, they comfort me. So there is great truth to understand in this passage, but to get it, sometimes we have to put ourselves in the place, in the visual place that the psalmist had in mind when he's writing this particular psalm. The poetry really comes alive when we understand what the psalmist was seeing as he was writing and discovering truths as he's living. Between the ruins of Jericho in the Judean wilderness, the foothills, if you will, of the Judean wilderness, between that and Jerusalem is a small tract of land that is a desert uh, with very, very little rainfall. The distance is not much. It's only about 15 miles, but the contrast between the two locations is just really mind-boggling. In this picture, you can see in the top left corner a little green spot, a little mound, if you will, there. That's the mountain on which Abraham was willing to sacrifice his son Isaac. It later was purchased as a threshing floor and then became the foundation of the temple itself. So what you're seeing in that corner of this picture that I took is actually the eastern portion of the city of Jerusalem. In fact, if we were standing on that hill and we decided to pitch down the eastern side, uh, moving west, we would actually go down the slope of the Mount of Olives and we would end up at the Garden Press, the Olive Press called the Garden of Gethsemane. And then we would cross through just a small area about the, the width of the entire property of Meadowbrook from east to west, and that is the Kidron Valley. Uh, no longer water flows there that I've ever seen, but you cross the Kidron Valley and up into the old city of David, uh, the city of Jerusalem, uh, which is now very uh, robust and growing. This is a little Google map that I uh, put together last week. I just asked Google if I were walking from the ruins of Jericho, and was going to walk to Jerusalem, how would I get there? Well, Google will actually tell you how to do that. How about that? And this particular map shows that uh, it's a well-worn path, about 14 miles or so. Uh, and it is still traveled to this day. Uh, you used to could drive along the journey uh, in your vehicle or even a bus. It, it's not one that I would necessarily want to take because it's fairly treacherous, but they've recently closed that because terrorists were taking that track from the West Bank into Jerusalem and they were trying to stop some of that. 
But at any rate, it's a well-worn path, one that had been walked in the days of Christ and before, and shepherds would take that journey as they're moving their sheep from one direction to another. If you're familiar with our, our scripture that we've been studying and talking about over the last few weeks, you know that if you were in Jerusalem and were going to the Jordan River, you would cross through the wilderness. Uh, and if you had sheep and goats and you were moving from one direction or the other, the slopes in and around Bethlehem or the fields in and around Jerusalem, and you were going to take them to a pasture land in the wintertime, you would take them through the wilderness, that 15-mile track or so, and you would end up in the Jordan Valley, which is pretty prolific during the time of the winter. It, it has a mild climate, and that's the place that you would graze your sheep or your goats. And then as the summer is approaching and the rains stop and the pastures are diminishing, you would move your sheep and goats and you'd go back through the wilderness and you would graze them in and around Bethlehem and all around that area of Jerusalem. And then you would move north towards the Sea of Galilee and all the sloping hillsides there and the pastures that would be available for them. But at any rate, this is just a really well-traversed area. And you can see from the image here that the journey would include many rugged peaks and dark valley ways. And the, the passage is a bunch of twists and turns from one mountain to another. And every day as people were making that journey, whether they were walking the pathway to and from the area of the Jordan Valley to Jerusalem or shepherds moving back and forth there was a vulnerability to the travel the heat is absolutely deadly the fact that there's very little water except for the streams that are along the way would make it a deadly journey for some but it also because of the way the topography is and the caves and the ravines and the hiding places was a great place for bandits and robbers and gangs and all kinds of uh, folks like that to hide and wait for someone that is vulnerable to come to that area. In fact, when Jesus tells the parable of the Good Samaritan, he is painting a word picture for the people who are listening to that, and the picture would be like that image that I just showed you. In fact, he says this in Luke chapter 10 as he's setting up the narrative, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. So he's going down from that green hill on the left side of that picture, down through the wilderness, uh, traveling through to the area of Jericho. And the Lord says in this story that he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed and they left him half dead. Now you and I are familiar with that story. If not, you ought to be because it has a great truth for us about answering the question who is my neighbor Jesus is responding to one who asked him that question he was posing about how neighbors love each other even if they're different from us and they go out of their way and they it, they cost uh, the neighbor something to do something that is good for others and they overcome bias and prejudice and all that is answered in that parable but for us, it gives us a little description of the shadow of the valley of death. Because many a Bible scholar believes that this is the place that David is referring to in the fourth verse of the 23rd Psalm. Described as one that David had traveled many times as a shepherd, 
As a shepherd in and around Bethlehem during the wintertime, he would move through this valley and a number of other valleys to end up in the Jordan Valley where the sheep could be provided for. Or it's the shepherd's responsibility to make sure that they have green pastures and waters and that they might lie and rest as they have filled their stomachs and they just ruminate on the goodness of the shepherd. He would travel that journey, but as you know, the rugged, rugged and rocky area of that journey, you can see the little footpath there, could be treacherous. And as the sun is setting in the west and it casts the shadow into the valley, you can sense a poetic framing that David understood, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. But it's not just as a shepherd he had that insight. As a leader, he had that insight. As you know, Samuel had anointed him to be the king of Israel. By God's choice, David would be that, but it would take almost two decades for that to come about. And in the meantime, Saul, who had the Spirit of God to help him as the king of Israel, had denounced the things of God and rebelled against the way of God and was really disobedient to God and God's spirit left him it's unlike the way the spirit of God dwells within us today and he promises not to depart us in Saul's life the spirit had come upon him and he had departed from him and he was seeking after David in order to destroy him and if you know anything about that narrative that Samuel gives to us in the scripture you'll know that David took refuge here amongst the valleys of the wilderness and the shadows of the wilderness. And it was there that he thought perhaps would be his death, that God had given him that as a place of refuge. And then, of course, as he took the kingdom and was reigning there as king, if you remember, there was a coup attempt by one of his sons, Absalom. And David was in the city. The word had come to him that Absalom had made his move and much of the leadership in Israel had sided with Absalom and David recognized that the kingdom was in great jeopardy and his life was in jeopardy. So he and his followers are described as leaving Jerusalem out of the eastern side, down that Kidron Valley, which is now a huge, I can't explain to you how vast the graveyard is. It's massive. And even in the day of David, it was a place where people were buried there in the Kidron Valley. And he walked through that graveyard, even perhaps as the sun was setting and the shadow was cast in the Kidron Valley. It too would be a shadow of death for him. And of course, that Kidron Valley would lead up through the Mount of Olives and down into the wilderness where he would journey and take refuge even from his own son. David understood the valley of the shadow of death. He, he knew it not just in a figurative sense or in a poetic sense, but he knew it in his personal life. It became part of his journey. But it's not just David who walked through the wilderness and experienced the shadow of death. The Lord Jesus did as well. If you remember the narrative of the week leading into Holy Week, the last week of the Lord's life before he goes to the cross of Calvary with every intention to die there as the sacrifice for uh, the Lord for us and offering to us forgiveness of sin and the righteous life that he would entrust to us. And then he would do so that the third day he might be resurrected. As he's moving towards that and has his face set towards that, 
The last thing that he does is he is in the area of the Jordan Valley. He's actually passing through the ruins of Jericho. And we know by seeing that, that he is making his way towards Jerusalem, which means he is backtracking through that wilderness, through the valley of the shadow of death, and he will crest there at Jerusalem as he makes his way down into the great celebration of uh, the hallelujahs of the people and then on into the city of David where the week of Holy Week will take place. He is moving through the shadow of death as he's doing so. You know, it brings me encouragement to know as you and I live out in the valley of the shadow of death at times that the Lord has already been there, that he has journeyed that journey for us and before us and he knows our needs. He knows how to live the life through the valley of the shadow of death with great victory and great triumph. I'm reading, as you know, multiple books now on the 23rd Psalm, and one that stands out to me is Robert Morgan's. And he writes this about that section. Our shepherd passed through this valley. We don't need to worry as we approach it. When we're between pastures or changing locations or facing difficulty or nearing death, Jesus knows this route well. He has traveled it before. He traveled it on the way to Calvary, and he fills the valley with light and safety of his presence. He will get us safely to our heavenly home. And I trust that the words of Robert Morgan are true, that Jesus has journeyed, and because he has journeyed through that valley, then he can help us in the midst of our troubles, in the midst of our crisis. By the way, which the valley of the shadow of death is not just a passage for a funeral, although I preach it almost exclusively for funerals. He's talking about a valley that includes more than just death. He's talking about a valley that is including multiple dimensions of disaster and ruin and trouble and calamity that comes to our living. This is a, a chapter, a, a song, if you will, about life's journey. Because life's journey has those moments of green pastures and still waters and resting. And life's journey requires guidance by the shepherd and it requires life lived in the, in the adversities, the trials and the troubles and the times when things are not going well, but the shepherd still being with us. And the journey even on to heaven, life is that journey. So as we're just moving through the psalm today, specifically in verse 4, I want to draw your attention to six things that I think we ought to remember as we think about this verse of the 23rd Psalm. The first is this, the valley is part of our journey. It doesn't change the Lord's care. It doesn't change his work of restoration. And it certainly doesn't change his leadership. Though we walk through a valley of the shadow of death, God's care and God's provision for us as a good shepherd remains constant. If you're like me, you've memorized this text out of the King James Version, or maybe the New King James Version, and it says, Yea, though I walk through the valley. And even though, as the ESV says, those two words, even though or yea, though, are connecting words. They're helping us to connect to a previous truth. Okay, we're walking through a valley that seems like the shadow of death, that death is imminent or death is near, or I feel like I'm, I'm 
surrounded by it. But even though that is true, that doesn't change the good shepherd, and it doesn't change what the good shepherd is doing. What the good shepherd is doing, even though we are walking through a valley of the shadow of death, is he is still restoring. He is still providing. He is still good. He is still leading. He's still guiding. He's still protecting. So even though he does all of these things, we may be experiencing a shadow of death. I can tell you that even in the shadow of death, he will provide for us green pastures. He will provide for us still waters. He will provide for us in the midst of darkness. He will restore our soul and he will lead us on a path of righteousness for his glory, for his namesake, though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Here's what I want us to come to conclusion in is this. God has purpose for us to be in the shadow of death. God has intentionality to that. It is for purpose that we are there, and it is for the purpose of coming out of that as well. God is in the midst of something. Man, is it like this for you? I have trouble remembering that when I am in the valley of the shadow of death. I struggle with that. I ask things that don't relate to who I am as a son of the living God. I ask things like this. God, why would you do that to me? What have I done to you? Why me? All of those reveal that I have placed myself in the center of the universe where I don't belong. The center of the universe is God. Everything is for Him. It's by Him. It's unto Him. He is the center of the universe. And when I rightly think about that, then I can recognize, Lord, as you are in the midst of the universe and I find myself in a valley that seems to be a shadow of death, I find you there. That means you must have purpose for me to be there. Let me to discover that truth. Let me walk in this valley. And that brings us to the next one. We travel in and out of valleys. The intentionality of the valley is that we would travel in it and we would come out of it. By the way, the valley of the shadow of death is, is not just unto death, although it could be. It might be the valley of the shadow of death for you is brokenheartedness, or maybe it's chronic illness, or maybe it's a parent's anguish over a wayward child, or maybe it's the financial pressures that you find yourself in. Maybe it's the autoimmune disease that you have or the loss of a child or someone close to you that you find it so difficult to live life without them. Maybe it's your fractured family or a terminal disease. Maybe it's sexual abuse that you have experienced. Maybe it's the reality of living with an unloving mother or an unloving father or an unloving spouse. Maybe it's failing health. Maybe it's business down sizing maybe it's dying or maybe it is death but in all ways it seems to be a valley of the shadow of death everybody travels in and out of those kind of valleys life group leaders travel in them and out of them pastors travel in them and out of them and members of churches and non-members of churches travel in and out of those valleys the point is for us who are among the sheep of the Lord Jesus Christ, the good shepherd is with us. He is guiding us. 
He has purpose to bring us in. He has purpose to bring us out of those times. I can't help but think about some of the the people in the Bible that are recorded as God bringing them into valleys and God leading them out of valleys. There are so many of them. Could I just lift up one to you for a moment? Peter. Remember Jesus led him into a valley? It was the night of Jesus' arrest. It brought Peter close by him in the Garden of Gethsemane, the olive press. And there, as he had brought him close, he said to Peter, Wait here and pray, lest you fall into temptation. Now, the words of the night previous to that were Peter, The enemy has come to sift you like wheat. The Lord was taking him into a valley. Wait here, pray. Wait here, pray. The enemy is coming hard against you, Peter. And that night, it had been told by Jesus to Peter, you will deny me. Before this night, you'll deny me three times. Before it's over, that will be what you'll do. I think what Jesus was doing was leading Peter into that valley. And at the arrest of Christ and at the the accusing people around Peter saying, you're with him, your accent gives him away, surely you're one of them, and him denying the Lord every single time. I believe Jesus brought him into that valley. The valley is meant to go into, and the valley is meant to come out of. And can you remember just a few days later when Jesus was there, the northern portion of the Sea of Galilee, and Peter was on the lake fishing, and Jesus had already prepared breakfast for them, and he calls out to them, Children, come and eat. And Peter could not wait to get to that shoreline, and there at a coal fire with fish cooking, bread provided, Jesus and Peter have a conversation. And the conversation is questions about Peter's love. And Peter's giving certainty of the love that he has for Christ and Jesus speaking into his commission to tend and feed the lambs that would be left behind, the sheep. You know what Jesus is doing there at the shore of the lake? He's bringing him out of a valley. He brought him in, and he brings him out. And I can tell you, for those of you who are in the midst of the valley, the shadow of death, the Lord has brought you there, the Lord is with you there, and he will bring you out of that certain of that it's the pattern of the good shepherd to do that but then the third thing i want you to remember is this that we walk through the valley we don't reside there it's meant to be a passageway now the valleys of of the wilderness are many with bends and turns and narrow passages and looming shadows and dark crevices and that is the passageway you walk through that valley. When you look back in those kind of valleys, you see that it had an entrance way and that you came into it. 
And as you look ahead, you're looking for the way out of it. And sometimes you can see it and sometimes you can't. In fact, in the valley of the wilderness, you often can't see the way out because there are many turns and many peaks and many valleys to go in. But there is one thing certain that if you keep journeying, you keep traveling, you will come out of that valley. Every valley has an opening in and an opening on the way out. You will make it through the valley. Now, it might not be in the timing that you desire, but it's certain that you will come out because valleys are meant to be temporary. I'm reminded of what one writer said in this subject. He said, you know, for Christians, problems are always temporary. Valleys are always temporary, but the blessings are always eternal. But for non-Christians, People who reject the grace of our Lord, their blessings are always temporary and their problems and troubles are always eternal. Valleys for us are temporary. We're coming in, we're going out, we're not residing there, we're walking through. Number four, the closest we come to knowing death is to walk in its shadow. That's as close as you come to it. We're not walking into Death Valley. We're walking into the shadow of death. In God's mercy and grace, He has provided us freedom by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We have freedom in the resurrected life. So a true Christian never tastes or experiences death. Sure, their body ceases to live, but their spirit is alive and present with the Lord. We are certain of this. To be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord. I'm reminded of Jesus' words to Martha and Mary as they were grieving their brother Lazarus who is dead. And Jesus said this, I am the resurrection and life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And then he asked them the same that I'll ask you, do you believe this? And if your trust is in Jesus, the resurrection and the life, then the closest you come to death is its shadow. So they, yea, though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we fear no evil. Amen. Then number five, the presence of Christ gives us confidence and courage when we are walking through valleys. I love the courage and the affirmation statement of I will fear no evil. Now, evil is one of those words in the original language that can be translated in multiple ways. It's from the Hebrew word ra. And it can be translated, most often is translated evil, but can also be translated wicked, which that's certainly akin to that. But then there is a, a number of words that it's used to translate, including bad and hurt and trouble and sore and afflicted and ill and adversity and harm. So we might just pause for a moment and think, yea, though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death where it feels like death is near or my heart is so broken, it's as if I'm going to die. I will fear no calamity. I will fear no adversity. I will fear no hurt. I will fear no evil. Why? Because Christ is there. 
Jesus Christ is in the midst of that valley with us when we truly recognize the provision and the purpose of Christ in our lives. Then we are relieved from fear when we face those kind of valleys. Even if it's a valley that leads unto death in this life, our experience can be devoid of fear. One of the hardships of my ministry and one of the joys of my ministry happen at the same time. It's when I'm experiencing someone who is nearing the end of this life and the beginning of the new life in Christ. I have been there on a number of occasions. And my only regret in those times is that I had not paused to journey, uh, journal some of the things along the journey with those individuals, particularly the saints of God. I've been in hospital rooms and I've been in living rooms with a hospital bed set up. I've been in bedrooms with a hospital bed or the person's bed that they have slept in for years. I've been there when it's just that individual alone and I've been there when the family has surrounded that person. I've been there at the time when someone has breathed their last and I've been in the days leading up to that and I've been in the weeks leading up to that. And maybe you have as well. But there's one thing that stands out among the saints of God, and that is an uncanny lack of fear in death. The Spirit of God so has prepped them with His Word and with His presence that in that moment, in those days, there is no fear. You know why? because he is with them. He's with them. There have been a few occasions that I have witnessed people that were experiencing something in Christ that I was not experiencing at the moment, but I knew it was a unique way that God was ministering to them as they were moving from this life to his presence. Your life and my life can be devoid of fear, when we trust in the presence and the word of Jesus Christ. And I pray that that will be the case for you. How can that be? Well, the Bible gives us this as the insight. It says, there is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. So what he's saying there, for those who have placed their faith in Christ, that he has rescued them from death and judgment and sin and treasured into them eternal life and righteousness, declaring them to be right before a holy God. For that individual, perfect love has cast out fear because there's no punishment left for them. Christ has taken it all upon himself in the cross of Calvary. For that individual who knows that with certainty in their life, they can go before the Father without fear because there is no punishment awaiting them. And that, my friends, is a way we can live devoid of fear. So when you're going through the valley of the shadow of death and you have wrong thinking like, God, what have I done that you would do this to me? You somehow have taken the judgment off of Christ and put it on yourself as if you have a judgment to carry that Christ couldn't. 
So swap that back where it ought to be. The Lord Jesus has taken all God's judgment that was due me upon himself. And I can know that though I am walking through a valley of the shadow of death, Christ is still my restorer. He is still my good shepherd. He is the one who continues to provide for me. Though I walk through this valley, he is still good. And his pathways are right. And he will restore me. He will bring me through this. Over and over and over, the scripture helps us to understand the the presence of God and the certainty that knowing the presence of God brings to us. One of my favorite is Psalm 139. And it says this, Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, that is the grave, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. Where does the psalmist get all of this certainty and courage? He gets it from the presence of God. Knowing the presence of God, if I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night. In other words, as I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death and it feels like darkness is surrounding me and what used to be daylight is now dark, if I find myself in that experience, even the darkness is not dark to you, God. The night is bright as day, for darkness is as light with you. So the psalmist had come to a conclusion, no matter what I'm feeling, no matter what I'm experiencing, no matter what I'm, I'm journeying through, no matter where I go, the presence of God makes a difference. And then the 23rd Psalm, David says, I will fear no evil, no calamity, no adversity, no hurt, because you are with me. May that truth make a difference, a great impact in our life. You know, the same promise was given to us in Hebrews chapter 11, chapter 13. He says this, for I will never leave you or forsake you. So the writer says, we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I shall not fear. What can man do to me? So when you feel alone and isolated and troubled and confused and doubtful and hurt and frustrated and discouraged or afraid, then come back to this unbroken promise by Jesus I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And then you can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I shall not fear. The question is, will you allow your feelings to dictate what you perceive to be reality? Or will you allow the word of God be the reality in your life? That's how we live without fear coming back to the reality of the word of God then number six the Lord holds a rod and a staff to protect me from enemies and to lift me from troubles the rod is to ward off predators and keep the enemy from destroying us and as the good shepherd the Lord holds both the rod and the staff in his hand if you're in a valley right now, you should know that you are not alone. If you could see to your right or to your left or just before you into the spirit realm, you would see the commander of the Lord's army is with you. 
And the commander of the Lord's army, the Lord Jesus Christ, when he moves against enemies, entire armies die. And when nations are provoked and think that they can rise up against the commander of the Lord's army, the whole nation is brought to utter ruin. There with you in the midst of the valley, when evil comes against you, when harshness comes against you, I need to remind you that all evil spirits submit instantaneously to the word that Jesus proclaims to you to them. Whether he is seated on the throne of glory or he is standing with you in the valley, all things bow to the Lord Jesus Christ and confess him to be King of kings and Lord of lords. As you are in the midst of the valley, you have a shepherd with you, and that shepherd is holding before him a rod and a staff, and the rod, which is often this size or smaller, could even be a club that he would have with him, is to protect you, his sheep, from the enemies that would come against you. And this rod is meant to do just that. It inflicts harm for those who come against the sheep. And the commander of God's army, Christ the Lord, stands with a rod in his hand. And though the enemy comes against you, he will protect you from that enemy. And he holds a staff in his hand as well. The staff is to provide for you. It's to guide you. It's to show you the pathways. It's to move you along in the right direction. And when you get in trouble, the crook of that staff could lift you and rescue you oh our shepherd is good isn't he in the midst of the valley you're coming into it or you're going out of it you're in the middle of it there your shepherd is with you and in his hand is a rod and a staff and it's for your good you can trust him you can trust him He has purpose leading you into the valley and he will have purpose leading you out of it. You'll be changed. You're traveling through a valley of the shadow of death. You will come on another side and on the other side you will be changed. You say, well, pastor, what if it leads unto my death? I can tell you by the glory of the resurrection of Jesus Christ that is a change that is very much one we wait for. You say, what about this disease? How will I be after the disease? I'll tell you how you'll be. Your shepherd will guide you to be more like him. You'll be more at rest and more at peace and more humble and more in truth. You'll have a closeness to him like you've never had because you've journeyed through a valley together. So if you're coming in or you're going out or you're in the middle of the valley of the shadow of death, look around for your shepherd, for he is good. He will restore you and he will right you and he will keep you on a path for his name's sake. Now I want us to close this time out by just repeating out loud the fourth verse of this psalm. And I want you to do it with great confidence. No matter your experience, no matter your feelings, do it with great confidence in the truth of God. Let's declare this word out loud together. Ready? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me.
What truth for us to glean from today, Lord. What great truth to reflect on and to trust with great hope Today, Lord, maybe some in this room are in the valley of the shadow of death, and it is difficult. The harsh realities of not being able to see how the valley ends. The corners and the peaks and the valleys, the darkness. The enemy who comes against them that just can't seem to get ahead way. Lord, may they rest with confidence that you have brought them in and you will bring them out. May there be great purpose for moving through that valley. May it be that they are going to the richest pastures and still waters that are provided for them. And may in the end we look back on the journey of this life with its valleys and with its mountains. And may we say, though it was difficult at times, our Lord Jesus, the Good Shepherd, never left our side. Oh, Father, we ask for a great certainty in this passage. We ask for great hope and confidence so that we may not fear. And we pray that that would bring glory to our Savior Jesus, the Good Shepherd, in whose name we pray.